In this episode, we take a look back at the video games, TV, and movies that consumed our time last year, and I reveal my top 10 movies of 2015. All this and more, right now, on The Geek Generation. everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio once again by Matt West. Oh, we're talking movies today. We're talking movies, we're talking TV. video games, we're talking TV. Granted, we always talk about those things. But today is extra special because this is our 2015 in-review episode. We're going to go through all the things that kind of consumed our time in those categories over the course of 2015. And eventually, we will get to my top 10 movies of 2015. Uh, I do the top 10 list every year, watch a ton of movies in preparation for it, and I will reveal to you the ones that you should watch. Granted, you might have different taste in movies than me, but I assume if you listen to this show, you take my opinion into consideration somewhat. Uh, but we will see for sure when we get there. I have first video games. Uh, do you want to kick off with some of the ones that you played last year? Um, unless they were phone-based, I'm not a big video game player. Really? I, I, yeah, I unfortunately my work schedule and demands and school that I was involved in just didn't give me that kind of time. So, sure. you know, it was basically Angry Birds 2, Peggle, <laughs> Tri-Peak Solitaire, and um, last year, yeah, really not a big gamer. Um, I, I did, I was on, uh, for a little while, I was on the, um, the, the DC public, it's like an M, M, Oh, DC MMORG. Universe Online. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I, I played that for a while, but um, yeah, I, I don't game like, like y'all. Well, that's okay because last year was probably one of the most diverse years in gaming that I ever had. Uh, over the last few years, we have been getting more and more requests from independent game developers asking us to review their games. Uh, we've even go, gone so far as to this year, I've launched kind of a, an outreach program. <laughs> I don't know if that's what I should call it necessarily, but uh, I've tapped a group of people online who we're all working together as a group now to review games for the Geek Generation. So as I get more and more codes in, I'm able to give those to more people. So you're going to see even more game reviews come up uh, both on the podcast and on the website. Not all of the games that we review we talk about on the show because some of those people are not on the podcast. But you can go over to thegeekgeneration.com to see all of their reviews as they come up. So to go through some of the games that I played last year, uh, I played Dragon Ball Xenoverse which was uh, wonderfully sent to me by Namco Bandai. Re really appreciate that. Fun game. was great to play a Dragon Ball game. It had been a long time since I played a Dragon Ball game. I think the one previous to that was maybe like Budokai Tenkaichi 3, which was PS2, I think. I don't know if I really played that many Dragon Ball games on the PS3. Uh, but Dragon Ball Xenoverse was a fun game. Kind of tapered off with it. I believe I did a full review a while back, but that's something that consumed quite a bit of time. That's when I first started dabbling in streaming on Twitch. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with the whole process of it. I just knew that my PS4 could. So I started streaming some stuff and maybe had only a couple people watching, but really not that many. I played Don't Starve a lot. I uh, got into that last year. If you guys haven't played that, it's a fun survival game. You basically last as long as you can, but the penalty is permadeath. There's no like respawn necessarily. You can find things that will respawn you maybe once over the course of a game. But after pouring 
hours and hours and hours into one playthrough, you die and you're dead. <laughs> so that happens, uh, and you just have to start over. We've since seen uh, Don't Starve Together come out, which is fun because it's a multiplayer version of the game where you can play with your friends. Uh, and also within recent months, we've seen the DLC for Don't Starve Shipwrecked come out, uh, which now is a different whole play mode entirely where you can now sail between different islands. Uh, and it, it has a whole different me- uh, mechanic going on. It's very difficult. <laughs> the game's <laughs> always tricky anyway, but in, uh, in Shipwrecked, there's like, they introduced poison. So a snake can bite you or there's a, there's a few different ways to get poisoned. And the only way to make an antidote for the poison is to kill something that would poison you to get a component to build the antidote. So you run the risk of getting poisoned to get the thing you need to stop yourself from right. being poisoned. So it's, it's like you get poisoned, you're dead and it sucks because it can come out of nowhere after so much time invested. But I digress. <laughs> uh, I played through the entirety of Mark of the Ninja this year, which was a fun indie game. It came out years ago, but uh, it was from the same people who made Don't Starve Cly Entertainment. And it's a side scrolling stealth based game. So uh, you use all your ninja skills, climbing up walls, you use smoke bombs, you hang from stuff, you use grappling hooks. Uh, and you kind of traverse your way around these levels. Killing is super satisfying because there's wonderful animations for it. <laughs> uh, really, really fun game there. Highly recommend that one. I think it's even cheaper now, too, because it came out a few years ago. So uh, if you guys want to check that out, it's on multiple consoles and platforms as well. Got into Rocket League last year. Rocket League's a good time. That is a real good time. It was a playstation plus free game one month so i got rocket league for free played it on the ps4 reconnected with some old friends playing rocket league uh randomly started playing with one of my friends who i hadn't seen in a while he just added me to a party on ps4 one point and then he introduced someone else into the party which was a friend of mine from high school who i probably haven't talked to in like four or five years and all of a sudden we're all playing rocket league together so i was like damn this is this is great so not only are we playing amazing game together which i'm the worst at out of the three of us but uh reconnecting with old friends which is always fun to do and you, especially unexpectedly so yes you can connect out in that virtual space sometimes but highly recommend rocket league uh if people have never played that fantastic binding of isaac i talk about so much i feel mm-hmm. like i talk about so much i stream it a lot still uh, we've seen the original release of Binding of Isaac. We saw Rebirth come out, which was kind of a, a completely recoded and reskinned version of the original game. It's a little more pixel looking. The original game was created in a flash animation, so they had to completely script it over again to build the game for consoles. Uh, and they added a lot in Rebirth. But now we've also seen the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth released, which is a DLC which adds so much more into the game. I felt like it was already expansive, like crazy anyway, but they expanded it even more. Uh, I still could play that game endlessly. It is so much fun. In a game where it takes you maybe a half hour to 45 minutes for a playthrough, and sometimes a little longer now, now that I'm getting better at it, and I can make it further and further, and I still can complete a run successfully within like an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, and it's procedurally generated and different every single time you play, that's endlessly entertaining. Yeah, the replay value it's is huge. A new game, yeah. Absolutely. So I'm I'm still learning more about it because there are new power ups being unlocked all the time, and you learn about the way things uh, work together with each other. 
I've seen the hour counts that people have poured into this game, <laughs> and it is ridiculous. Like, I'm still an amateur when it comes to it, and I play a lot. So, uh, still pretty great, though. Lego Marvel Super Heroes uh, was gifted to me by Paulo last year uh, for either, uh, was it my birthday, I think? Yeah, I think it was either Christmas or my birthday. I don't remember which one, but it was one of them. And I played the crap out of that. <laughs> I'm still not done with it. I have to jump back into it, but I've gotten uh distracted by so many other things too that i've wanted to play other games as well and obviously i have i mean this is halfway through my list <laughs> of the stuff i played last year but any lego game is fantastic i know lego marvel's avengers is out right now uh, and i will get around to that eventually too uh, like i said earlier last year was kind of my embrace of twitch and use of that i mean we're on twitch right now doing the podcast live for people listening just gaming on Twitch has expanded like the possibility of what we can do with the geek generation. It's all very exciting stuff and it's stuff I wish I had more time and money to do and spend on it. Uh, I do want to continue to expand it and kind of treat it like a TV station where we can do all sorts of different things. And eventually, hopefully we will get to a point where we're just doing so many different things on the Twitch channel. Uh, I look forward to where we go with that. But it also allowed me to access a few different kind of community games that I had never played before, one of which was Quiplash, which I know you played uh, with us a little bit before. Yeah. Where we uh, it's basically the Cards Against Humanity idea yeah. of a couple of, there's a prompt shows up. You give your answers. And I love just the community interaction with that game. Yeah. Uh, those are, I mean, that's all kind of back to that premise of that apples to apples game originally. Mm -hmm. And but that tremendously fun when you get different personalities, especially when you allow people to argue for their logic on why they gave it, you can add that as another whole aspect of the game. That ends up being a ton of fun. Totally. Things like the meta game <laughs> and super fight. Yeah. Uh, we haven't played super fight on the podcast yet. I do have it. It's something we'll do eventually. I'm looking forward to it. And we've only played the meta game. I think once, I'd love to play that again on the podcast. So uh, lots more things that we can do with those. Choice Chamber is also a game that we played on Twitch, uh, especially when I first started streaming and started building an audience. Uh, people really enjoyed watching Choice Chamber. It's kind of petered off now. I feel like I've kind of done everything in the game that I can do. And it doesn't uh, it takes a lot of computer resources to play for a game that is kind of small in graphic scale and kind of just everything that's going on i don't know why it takes so many resources if they were to rebuild it a little bit i think they could do a better job with it but unfortunately the state it's in right now it's not a game really worth replaying over and over again and the popularity of it on twitch has kind of dropped away too and i think that's in response to the game itself there's only so much you can do but when people are able to uh, affect your game by inputting things in the chat room I think that's something we're going to see more and more of as Twitch becomes more popular. I love these community games. I love to be able to go on and play something where I'm not just doing commentary and talking to the people in the chat room. They're actually invested and involved with the game itself. So much fun to do that. Game of Thrones, a telltale game series. Uh, this was a blast. I played through pretty much the entire game in the course of a week. Every night I did one episode. I think there's six or seven episodes of it. Each one takes about two to two and a half hours to play through. I did a full review uh, a while back mm -hmm. on the podcast. But what a great experience for anybody who watches Game of Thrones. It gives you a whole nother chapter from the point of view of another house. 
in the things that you've seen in the series and even bringing in those actors to provide voices again. And it's wonderfully, wonderfully done game. Highly recommend that. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor was a game that was actually purchased for me by uh, Dez, Dez in my uh, Twitch stream. One of my viewers, a loyal viewer, who uh, got Middle of Earth Shadow of Mordor from me off my Amazon wish list. I wanted to play this for so long. Uh, what a great game. Cool. What a great game. Uh, it's it's rare that a licensed property becomes such a good game. Right. The year that it was out, though, I remember so many places awarding it like Game of the Year right. for uh, for what it is. And now, granted, it is not the most original thing in design. Like it has the combat you could compare to Arkham, the Arkham mm-hmm. series. It has a lot of stealth and movement elements that you could compare to the Assassin's Creed series. But it doesn't just rip them off. It still does them well, yeah. which is important. And it also introduced the uh, I forget exactly what it's called. There's there's like a revenge mechanic. So I forget the exact uh, ne- nemesis system. That's mm-hmm. it. The nemesis system uh, allows you to become more familiar with big enemies in the game. They all have names. If someone kills you, they're marked. Uh, you can kill them back later on when you respawn. Cool. They're marked as a revenge target. You can go back after them. You get more points if you kill a revenge target. Uh, there's a whole hierarchy in the army. There's so much to do in this game. I recently completed the storyline and uh, all the side missions pretty much. I still have two DLCs that I can go through. Very excited to get to those too. Uh, but wow, that, that game was a ton of fun. It was just as good as I expected it to be. And then lastly, Fallout New Vegas. I still have not put in my PlayStation. <laughs> Dog meat is waiting for you. <laughs> He's waiting. Fallout 4 is out now. And I still have not played Fallout New Vegas at all. And one of these years, maybe I'll get to it. You know, that's one of the things. But it wasn't last year. It kills me listening to episodes where, uh, you and Volpe and Paul, who are the, really the big gamers, kind of, uh, yeah. and Damien, uh, talk about all these games that pop up and that you guys have been playing. And if I had the bandwidth, I know, I, I mean, the, like, just hearing about, like, some of the stuff that's going on in the Lego games, mm-hmm. where they're bringing, like, Doctor Who into it. And then, sure. I, I'm so, like, a sucker for that stuff. And if I had more bandwidth, I'd be right there. It's just, I know what my time is and I know that I could easily, and I have in the past, I'm one of those gamers who could three hours is gone sure, and I can't sure. bandwidth wise give up in, in as much as it would feel productive getting, Hey, I made it through three episodes. That's not productive for me at this point in time. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I, I unfortunately can't do that at this time. I mean, there's always the excuse of needing to do it for the podcast. I yeah, use yeah, that yeah, as yeah. an excuse for so much stuff. I, I call things mental health. Oh, I, I'm just, I have to, I had a really bad day. I need yeah. to, I need to decompress for a bit. <laughs> and then if you go on Twitch, it becomes even more of an excuse because right, right. now I'm doing it for other people. And yeah. They're like tipping me to play and stuff. It's so it's weird. For income. Yeah. It's for my income, man. Uh, that was pretty much all the video games that I got through, though. So let's start talking about TV. Uh, what shows did you consume in 2015? Now, see, that's where I decompressed, and that's where my bandwidth, a lot of my bandwidth went. Yes. Um, Walking Dead, I, I'm one of the, I got in a couple, maybe just after the first season, I got in, I went back and watched and have been an episode per episode viewer of that. Uh, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, up to speed with that one. I'm to the point now where I just have to wait for new episodes. Um, I've spoken many times about The Blacklist. Love that show. Uh, Better Call Saul, uh, The Muppets. I've been 
from the get-go been back into it. Uh, all of the, the Greg Berlanti stuff, Arrow, The Flash, Into the Badlands. I did watch all of the Heroes reboot, Heroes Reborn. As did I. Enjoyed it. I didn't think it was as strong as season one of Heroes. No. And towards the few end. Few shows are. No. And, and towards the end of, until it started picking up in the very last, there was a lull. The last couple episodes before the the real drive to the end, I almost started losing interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't surprised that it didn't get picked back up. No, me neither. Um, it wasn't strong enough. And the heroes weren't, the, the, the big heroes weren't strong enough. You know, the ones who, the two, the two who are supposed to be Claire's kids. Yeah. There was no they Peter Petrelli no. or Hero Knock. I mean, Hero was there, but yeah. not, he wasn't our hero. Right. He wasn't, yeah. He wasn't there enough to be important. Uh, Into the Badlands, I saw later on, but Blind Spot was a newer show and that was tremendous. Gotham. I do watch a, a, a small amount of reality shows. I'm not crazy about reality shows, mm-hmm. but uh, Face Off is one that I really enjoy. That's the one. That's the makeup yeah, competition show. It's really good. Um, Master Chef, Master Chef Junior. I love Master Chef Junior. Actually, I like the kids even more than I like the adults. Okay. I do watch Hell's Kitchen, but to see these little kids who are like seven and eight years old cooking like French cuisine. And it's spot on. It's yeah, like, yeah. I'm lucky to. Well, my cooking's getting better, but I'm. I, I'm See, lucky I'd to, probably get into those shows. I never it, really thought about watching yeah. cooking shows. I mean, MasterChef is really pretty entertaining. Uh, but then lately, and like it's really kind of gone from the end of last year to the beginning of this year. They had the most recent MasterChef Junior was awesome. They had, yeah. Like, the two girls who went to the finals were both eight years old. Oh and wow! They, and they're cooking like. Like one was from Louisiana and she would like she learned to cook by going out in the backyard with her dad and catching crawfish and making fresh crawfish etouffee. You know, so they're I mean, it was awesome. And then, then they got kid personalities. So they still are kids. Right. But, you know, right. Like, and then the, the girl who faced her was like this little tomboy girl who wore her baseball cap backwards the whole time. And she wanted to open a bakery called Batter Up Bakery because she loves softball. That's and adorable. Baking. Totally adorable. And the kids are awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, but for major shows, um, I did. <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen uh, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge. I have not. It's pretty good, and my wife likes it better than I do. Um, they, it's just basically he's got. They say it's the Broken Skull Ranch, but mm-hmm. he's just got this in the middle of the desert. They um, they set up challenges, and they're very uh, very primal. And it, they'll bring, they'll start off with like eight people, and they'll whittle them down until one finally wins, and then they get th- to go through this big. Um, uh, op- obstacle course, mm-hmm. but the temperature's always like ninety degrees, and it's like it's it's like CrossFit stuff. Like okay, they'll, they'll like they'll have like a tire that's three hundred and fifty pounds, and you need to flip it for a hundred yards, and then lift it up and put it onto like a post, and then sprint to some. And and it's always one on one, and then like the, the final challenge goes to the way they break down to they have to basically it's like um, sumo. They like they go through this big exhaustive challenge, mm-hmm. and it's one on one pushing each other out of this ring. Oh and, wow! And then you have to go on to this. So it's a crazy. game show format more than yeah, a reality and, show. Yeah, and it really is just there's no re- it's not like cut. they have interviews with people, but it's not like all right, so they're back in the house. Okay. Oh great! And, um, That's so much better. And then uh, what they do is the format is when they go to the obstacle course. Um, they had somebody from each season who is their champion. Every time you beat the best time, you get $10,000. If somebody after you fails through, every time they fail until your time is beat, you get their $10,000. Hmm. So they had one guy who made it through the first almost three seasons. He had like, uh, cause they alternate men's week, women's week. So he had like $70,000. He, and the, at the end of a season, they'd revise the course and let him run the, the new time. Hmm. And, um, so it's like each week you kept bringing these same old guys back. And they would be there just watching to see if somebody beat their time. Wow. And like, it's crazy because like the last thing they do is climb like a 20 foot rope, 25 foot rope to ring a bell. But it's after this crazy amount of just 
strenuous, horrible things. Sure, sure. And like to see these people who are like so like jacked up, or this guy's like, I, I'm I won a hundred CrossFit competitions or whatever, and like they get halfway up the rope, and you see them, and they just slide down. Yeah, it's like yeah. and you can feel the heart so defeating, and it's really it's shot really cool. Would you um, say it's comparable to like an American Ninja Warrior or something like that? Or yeah, but not it's but it's gritty. Not okay. It's like American Ninja Warrior is very like futuristic the way all the obstacles. Yeah, look. yeah, yeah. This is like like they're carrying like sandbags and dragging chains and up a hill and I can see know. why Stone yeah, Cold is yeah. involved. Sure. It's very cool. I'm still on with Family Guy. Enjoy that. Uh, Supergirl, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Agents of Shield, Agent Carter. Um, you know, superhero stuff. Cool. Yeah. Decent list of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's nice to say so many different superhero things in this day. And I know, age. and they're all good. I they're know, not cheesy. <laughs> so nice. TV for me in 2015. Uh, I finally jumped on the Game of Thrones train last yep. year and consumed everything that Great we've victory. had available up until now. <laughs> so uh, really, really enjoying Game of Thrones. Very excited for it to come back. Partially excited and partially worried that I'm going to be watching in real time with everybody else mm-hmm. because now I actually have to be careful of spoilers and things. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I had, I had seen some spoilers, but when you don't really care about a show, they kind of just go through you. Yeah. Like it didn't really matter. And admittedly, knowing some of this stuff, it still didn't ruin the experience right. for me whatsoever. It was still a really, really good show, even though I knew kind of the major big beats that were going to happen to the big twists where everybody went nuts but really really good show very happy i uh finally jumped on that one mm-hmm. uh agent carter season one we got last year season two is running right now uh there's some talk that this will be the end of agent carter which is very disappointing really to hear well-written show yeah I enjoy it. and i think it's even stronger than uh, agents of shield which is kind of carter is like the the mid-season mm. fill-in i think it's because it's more consistently good yeah you know agents agents of shield will have a couple good episodes and some some boring or some lulls yeah whereas agent carter because it's a short run it's like just a good strong show the whole way through yeah yeah and i i 100 think that uh edwin jarvis and peggy carter are one of the best on-screen oh, duos they're so entertaining together in yeah. years yes. their chemistry is so phenomenal Mm-hmm. I could just listen to them banter back and forth all yes. day long. Yep. Not since Mulder and Scully have we gotten that kind of like banter quality out of characters that is just and then so th- pitch perfect. Every now and again, you'll get every three or four episodes, they'll throw in Howard Stark and he throws yeah. a, little, a good little curveball here. And, and he belongs great. right in the mix. Yeah, exactly. It's so it's wonderful. Awesome. I yeah. love that. I adore that show yeah, so much. It's, awesome. it's so good. Um, Daredevil, we got last year. <sighs> we got the kind of launch of the Netflix Marvel so Universe. Good. Daredevil was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we never got around to doing a full episode on Daredevil, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but uh, it doesn't mean we can't at right. some point because I would gladly oh, rewatch so it. So good. Uh, and then Jessica Jones to follow up right? with that. I was like, "There's no way it's gonna be better than Daredevil." And, yeah, and arguably it was. <laughs> they were it both was, awesome experiences. It was amazing. I've said that while I think Jessica Jones might be the better show. I enjoyed Daredevil more just because it was a little more superhero-y, yeah, yeah. and and that's what I dig. Uh, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to season two of Daredevil, which is right around the corner. It's, it's literally within like a month. Looking really good. I mean, there you're definitely going to get John Barenthal in there as the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I f- first sort of, you know, when I saw he was released as the Punisher, it took me like a second because I was, you know, you think about what the Punisher looks like, and then instantly I thought about his face, and he's got that nose that looks like it's been yeah, broken, yeah, yeah, and it was perfect. And and Electra will be there. So, I mean, you're going to have both those characters as major people. I was hoping there would be more with 
with uh, the kingpin, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be in this. But it's possible. You know, he's in jail yeah. right now. There's he's, plenty of time. He's serving time. I, my biggest adjustment, I think, is going to be getting used to seeing him in the suit. Yeah. Because I am as much as at first I was like, oh, I don't know about this black bandana. Like it felt so appropriate. It was very for raw, the world. Very dark. It was cool. And it yeah. was almost jarring when he got in the actual Daredevil costume. End, yeah. and it almost felt a little too corny. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if I'm sure I'll adjust. But it's going to be an adjustment, I think, seeing the costume yeah. for a while. Mr. Robot last year. Good God. If people are not watching Mr. Robot, I know you, you, I'm not the only one who praises this show. Mm. It's critically acclaimed all over the place. Um, at first, I was watching just because it was about technology and about and because Christian Slater was in it. I love yep. Christian Slater. But wow, what an amazing ride Mr. Robot is. Very much looking forward to more of that. I derailed a couple times, but I've watched three or four episodes. And yeah. it just, it just again, my bandwidth throws a curve. Sure. And I don't, but what I've seen of it, it is. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really very, very good. good. I can see why you raved about it. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's yeah. very cool. It, very cinematic. Yes. Like even yeah. the way that they work the title in and yep. all the, oh, it's so good. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Sense8, I watched last year. That was another Netflix series. I'm watching a lot of Netflix stuff. A lot of Netflix stuff and they're putting out great stuff and they, and they just don't have the same limitations. It's mm-hmm. so nice to see shows that are not structured for commercials. Yeah. Where they really just feel like I can really get into that world instead of my brain going, Oh, this is where there was, even though I don't watch commercials because it's not, uh, you can fast forward and everything, right. but just your brain knowing that, Oh, here's the commercial break. And now we're coming back from a commercial break, but seeing something just seamless and fluid like that. Oh, I would so much. It's a different pacing when you don't have to worry about a commercial. I wish, I wish networks could find a different system for Mm -hmm. it. I know it's probably more profitable to have them interrupting a show throughout, but if they could do a block at the beginning and a block at the end, what a world it would be. (laughs) What a world. Uh, so Sensei, highly recommend people watch that. I think I mentioned it when I first talked about it. There's a slow burn, slow burn at the beginning of Sensei. Uh, but then it picks up and when right. it does, you're so invested in those characters that you really, really care about what happens to them. Into the Badlands, like you mentioned, mm. uh, my only, my only downside to that I mentioned a couple weeks ago when I complained that there were only six, six episodes, episodes yeah. in season one, which is kind of the best complaint I guess you can have for something. Leave them wanting more. Yeah. That's and what they always say about Boy, do I. Yeah. Boy, do I. Uh, as far as new shows, I only watched two or, no, that's not entirely true. I, I gave a chance to a lot. I dropped off of the Muppets. Uh, I've only watched a couple episodes of uh, Blind Spot so far. I plan on watching more. I am enjoying the two or three episodes I've seen. I plan on watching Limitless. Uh, my goal or my plan has been to rewatch the movie first, but it's so hard for me to rewatch stuff I've already seen because I feel like I always need to be moving forward and consuming mm-hmm. new things. Uh, but I do plan on rewatching Limitless and then watching the series because I want it to all tie together properly in my brain uh, i did watch heroes reborn like you said to finish that and i'm watching supergirl and that's pretty much the only new show i'm still with is supergirl i think what tv over the last two years especially has shown because of the investments uh that hollywood is making into the quality of the casts mm-hmm. the writing and the actual cinematography of them movies for the first time in 
I think many, many years are at the disadvantage. I think so too. You know, too. when you, when you watch TV, there was a vast difference between the experience of a television show, whether it was episodic or not, mm-hmm. and seeing a movie like, Oh, we're going to go see this great superhero movie. And in two and a half hours, we're going to get a great superhero story. Well, that's great, but we can tell it to you with pretty close quality yeah. comparability. And we're going to give you 13 hours yeah. or 22 hours. And we're going to be able to tell a better story because we can actually develop our villains. Exactly. And it's like, it feels like, the television experience over the – I mean, there are still movies that are must-see movies, and it happens, and those are going to always be events. But even – and more so than the last two years, but maybe the last five or six years, even going back to like when they started with like 24, mm-hmm. um, I was a big fan of Lie to Me, shows that are just – the cast are so good. You're getting these guys who are traditionally movie actors who are now – men and women who are movie actors yeah, who yeah. are now playing these like, oh, I'm going to take – TV's not taboo. It used to be if you were – a Hollywood actor going to TV was the kiss of death for your movie. Totally. Because it was then it was a step down. But you look at guys like John Lithgow. He went for movies. He did, you know, Third Rock from the Sun. Mm-hmm. But then he was even in the, se- the season of Dexter. But he'll go right back up. He can do movies. Totally. You know, that that up and down movement, it's not, there's it's not that. It's becoming very fluid And now. it's made TV so much better. Now with this whole ability of releasing a whole season in one shot and you can binge watch it at your own pace. Yep. TV is real. I mean, I think it's one of the main reasons why I haven't gone to the movie. I went to, I saw more movies this last year than I had in previous years. But mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons is there's so many good experiences just there. You know, Absolutely, great storytelling. I think, uh, in reference to the binge watching aspect, I think there's something to be said for not having that mid season break where you not only get everything at once, but there's no waiting in between i would think that's also beneficial for the the cast of the show mm-hmm. you get it all done at once and it's done and that season's done and it's out and you don't have to you don't have to then go back and film more and prepare for the rest of the season and all that stuff like i will take i will take the 13 episodes of daredevil or jessica jones over the i don't know 18 to 20 flash or arrow ones that we're going to get because so much forethought was done to make that season a cohesive, right. fluid story. There's no filler in between whatsoever. It's simply what it is. Right. And I, I sometimes don't think about how while you're still watching the season, they're still producing. Like it's not like like, like you said. Yeah. So when when you heard that Kevin Smith would be up would be directing an episode of The Flash, that was he was raving about that. It was it wasn't that long ago that he raved about about the the first series one finale. Right. And then his, you know, and then Jay Muse's wife then gets talking and says, hey, would you like Kevin to direct an episode? They were like, sure, we'd love it. That hasn't happened yet. Or he's in the process of doing it. But right. We're going to see that episode this season. Right. You know, that to me, that 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 timeline continuity is weird. It is strange. Yeah. But <laughs> even though that's the continuity that we've had for so long, yeah. like this whole binge watching model is so new. Yeah. But I enjoy it. Mm. Moving on from TV, uh, before we get into movies, just a couple quick miscellaneous things that are geeky in nature that I thought I should bring up. Uh, I had mentioned a couple games earlier, the metagame and super fight that we would uh, get around to playing on the podcast eventually, but also a game from this year that we really enjoy is the resistance. I finally got to play that. Uh, it requires at least five people to play. So it's a hard thing to organize uh, this day and age when it's hard to get a group of people together to do stuff. But the resistance, if you've never played that tabletop game, is one of the most high tension, high tension games 
that is endlessly fun and will challenge your friendships with people while also just being an amazing time. Uh, so if you've never played the resistance, I recommend you look for it. I'll link to it in the show notes. If people want to buy it that way through Amazon, give it a try. You will not be disappointed. It is so much fun. Also, um, last year, it's rare that a technology comes out that you think of as a life changer in some way because it actually restructures your habits or your ways of doing certain things. The last one for me was like when I first got my iPod touch, but even before I got iPhones or anything, that was kind of like a life changing device for me and a game changer. And it had been a while since I had an experience of getting some sort of kind of game changing technology. But I think the Amazon Echo was one of those things for me with the way it's become a part of my daily routine. And I know you have one, yeah, too. I so do. I don't I don't know if now that we've had them yeah. for a while, what is your experience been like with it? Um, mine's more. I mean, mine most usually is used as um, as a Bluetooth speaker, not a Bluetooth, but um, a streaming speaker. Yeah, because uh, Amazon Music is so awesome. Just through skimming, there's so much music that's available, and because it's a subscription system, the artists aren't getting. It's not like you're you're ripping music, and it's not piracy. They're mm-hmm. they're getting paid for their spins. Exactly. Um, I have in short order. I, I don't know how it happens so quickly. I have like like twelve thousand songs in my Amazon Music account. Oh my god! And, and it's awesome because I've set up playlists, and now my wife's super big on it, so she'll be and she has like her Pandora radio hooked into mm-hmm. it, and so that's really where it has been most used Mm -hmm. but there's always like the little functional things that come up they have like new games and stuff my nephew who is going to be four soon thinks it's the funniest thing we have the remote and he he loves the simon says so it repeats him so he he thinks that that's hilarious and he'll say what he wants to say i haven't used it as much as i thought for i mean we'll we'll ask it questions now and again for looking for information I haven't used it for like the shopping list and stuff like I thought I would, mm-hmm. but I definitely never regret getting it. It's really yeah, cool. yeah. The only thing that is weird is do you see that it now and again will pick up things in ambient noise where it thinks it's been cued and talks out of nowhere? Very rarely. We on, But I so, also don't have a lot of ambient noise in my house. We have – well, ours is because we have an open floor plan. It's in – we actually literally have it on a little piece of island next to the um, – on countertop near our, our stove. Okay. So it's perfect when you're – you know, you put music on while you're cooking. It's right in the – Yeah, mine's in my kitchen but too. But it's across from our TV. It's an open floor plan. So the dining room is kind of like the, – the dining room table is between the kitchen and the living room and our TV's there and it picks up stuff okay. from the TV. And there are nights where like I'll come in and I can see like – you know how it turns red when you turn it off? Yeah. And it's because like – it started talking on its own, and my wife's just like, "Yep, I'm not gonna have an appliance talking out of nowhere. Too creepy." But um, no, it's pretty good. I, I'm I'm corny, so I like all the knock knock jokes. Yeah, and, yeah. And when you can say, you know, tell me a Donald Trump joke, and it'll, it'll dig up some of that stuff. Yeah. I, I do use it in the mornings now and again. I'll, I'll if I remember, I'll ask it to give me a traffic update and mm-hmm. tells me how long it'll take me to get to work and you know the weather and whatnot. Yeah, I'll use it for the weather. Uh, I use it constantly for the shopping list because yeah. it is right in my kitchen. So I'll be I'll be making breakfast, and I'll notice something that's getting low in the fridge, and I'll just tell it to add something to the shopping list, which is insanely convenient. I use it when I'm cooking. If I forget a particular measurement and instead of like picking up my phone with my disgusting hands that no, are that all is covered really with good. food yeah, that is a cool and I thing. say how many cups is in whatever, how many tablespoons is in this, it does the conversion on the fly for me, which is so nice. They're adding in functionality all the time. Yeah. I mostly use it as a Bluetooth speaker myself, not so much streaming, but just mm. uh, playing the podcast from my iPod. 
but I will, uh, the new functionalities that they're adding, I used it to track my Domino's order the other day. Oh, cool. Um, I used it to, or not used it, but I'm, they've added in the function to check movie times finally. Oh, nice. Which is something I'm excited about. So you can set like a local theater and everything and ask what's playing, uh, or what time is a certain movie playing? It'll look it up for you. So the fact that they're continuing to expand. Yeah. And they've opened development so people can do their own like apps. Yeah. So one of them, one of the ones they have, it's like 20 questions, but it's, it's, it's like called the animal game. Oh yeah. And yeah. It, it's silly, but it's awesome. Cause I've, I've stumped it a couple times with mm-hmm. some, but I mean, like just it's, it's a computer doing yeah. this, but just because of the, the logarithms that it goes through to which questions I'm going to ask next to whittle down, I've gotten it to do like armadillo, kangaroo, yeah. like weird stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It's also uh, integrated with another site called if this, then that. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that where you yeah. can actually program in like customizable things. Yeah. So I have one, uh, set up where I can ask Echo to find my phone oh, and it will cool. call my cell phone. That's really cool. So if if for whatever reason I misplaced it somewhere in the house and I can't remember where I put it and it's just driving me nuts, I can say find my phone or call my phone and it will just ring my phone. That's really cool. Yeah. So I, I'm totally game. The other thing is I haven't done it yet, but in the near future, I'm planning on upgrading and getting some of the uh, some of the lighting. I want to do the because same. That's really cool. Just yes. the ability to. And, and the other thing I like is that you can use your phone through the uh the amazon app Mm -hmm. as also like a remote control yep so i will that's the other thing i like to do i'll be in the other room and my wife will be listening to something and i start phantom djing and i'll try (laughs) to find like ridiculous stuff to come on and then she's or like i'll mess with the volumes at first yeah yeah. because she gets bugged out when it talks on its own so like i'll start messing with it and then wait are you doing that uh no start creeping her out but yeah like i'll put on like manamana or something like that you know funny. something goofy yeah now i live by myself but you don't yeah. so do you have i have no inhibitions about giving voice commands mm-hmm. do you get self-conscious with that at all or no she thought it was weird at first but no we she's right <laughs> she uses it as much as i do as i said so yeah. she's just at first she was we left it as alexa mm-hmm. so at first and and her mom was there and she's like that's a dumb name for it but you know, we don't do the Amazon, whatever. Right, so, right. Yeah, but, I actually changed yeah. mine back to the default. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it, it was a little weird. And sometimes it doesn't, it, because there's ambient noise, there are times where it doesn't necessarily get exactly what you want. Sure, but, sure. But no, I, I it definitely was cool, especially getting it early and getting it for the cheaper price. Right, and what, right. The introductory. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's I Even just for having that hands-free, like you said, like you got music on while you're getting ready, you're mm-hmm. cooking, and your hands are gross and – uh, I don't like this. Or your phone rings and you know, you can pause it. Just, you know, Alexa, pause. Or we found out that Alexa, fuck off, actually works for Twitter. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's funny. Um, So even though we got it at the early stage and we got it for a cheaper price, it uh, doesn't mean people shouldn't get it for the no. price it is now. Go to thegeekgeneration.com slash echo and it will take you right to the Amazon page where if you get yourself an Amazon Echo – then we get a small kickback from that. This is not a paid advertisement in any way. I was talking about the Echo simply because I love it and I created the affiliate link to make it easier for other people to get. Um, so highly recommend you check that out. And you too can listen to the show through your Bluetooth. Through you your sure can. Amazon Echo. You sure can. If you, uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you tell it to play program the geek generation, it will pull us off the feed on, uh, tune in and you can listen to the latest episode that way. You can even say, uh, uh, next or previous or next or previous, yeah, something like that. And you can have it go to cool. past episodes as well, too. So, yep. Uh, Amazon Echo is awesome. Yes. So movies for last year. What did you enjoy? Um, 
I'm actually going to skip a couple of things that I'm on my list because they were like, okay, but nothing. Um, okay. But we were, we almost did an episode on Terminator Genesis. This um, is true. That was uh, not in the Terminator. I mean, it did. I mean, I even like Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. This didn't even live up to, to that mm-hmm. in my mind. Avengers Age of Ultron initially saw it in the theater, liked it, mm-hmm. have since watched it. In comparison to other stuff I've seen, I feel it's too video game. I'm in the same camp and as I think, you. And I think my problem with that, it lies back in what I said earlier about TV. Yeah. You know, you have Ultron, who was this great villain in the comic books. Yeah. And you built him and destroyed him in less than two hours. Yeah. You know, it I just felt like wasn't I, wanted, enough. I wanted more of that. I did a review about Krampus on the show. A while yes. Back. Highly entertaining. Enjoyed that. I did see Inside Out. I know people really raved about that. And so I, I, I enjoyed it. Yep. We... uh it was this year I saw it, but it was a movie from last year. Uh, one night we did, uh, just through, uh, through Voodoo, we did a movie rental online and, uh, watched the reboot of National Lampoon's Vacation. So it was just vacation. I saw that as well. Um, I was surprisingly entertained by it. I as was, was I. I. I liked, you know, they had jokes in the trailer and I was worried that it was going to be one of those movies where all the jokes were going to be in the trailer mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And it was. Pretty much consistently funny throughout, yep. but it still felt like a vacation movie. I yeah. was, I was, re- and and we we both like watched and were cracking up. They hit was, the tone surprisingly really well. I was worried when it first came out. I was like, oh, they're doing a reboot. Then I heard that it was going to be rusty, and it was that you know then Clark and 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 you know they were all going to show up. Sure, and yeah, it was it was cool, and it was I really was uh, surprised. Uh, saw Jurassic World in the theater opening weekend. I was. Hadn't been crazy about a Jurassic Park movie in a long time, but mm-hmm. had heard it's, you know, a spectacle. There were definite weaknesses with the movie. I thought there was the whole parents getting divorced side yeah, thing that there didn't was some need weaker to be aspects. in there. Sure. But as far as just a big summer movie with awesome special effects and seeing it on the big screen, that's definitely one that seeing that like that with, you know, a great sound system rather than seeing it at home, it made a big difference. I think it was a lot more fun. Yep. Ant-Man. Totally was was great. Yeah. And that was, again, much like Guardians of the Galaxy before it, um, was a movie that heading into it, I wasn't sure I really gave a crap about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as it got, and, and I was like, I'm not sold on Ant-Man. And then I got to be maybe – it was the first trailer – the last trailer they showed where they had the thing where the raging locomotives going at him and when you realize it's really like a Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. Um, that comedy and the way it was shot, it made me, oh, maybe I'll give it a shot. Movie totally was way better than I anticipated. I walked out going, wow, that was a breath of fresh air Agreed. for the tone, a lot of fun. Agreed. Um, so I dug that. I just saw Spectre, um, oh, the James okay. Bond one. Sure. Um, I've been a fan of the uh, Daniel Craig era of Bond. Mm-hmm. It's, again, kind of like – it's almost like a Christopher Nolan Bond. It's a grittier. And yeah. So the other day, my wife gets an Amazon package in and she goes, oh, I got you something. And I hadn't even seen it. And we usually don't go out and get movies we haven't seen. Hmm. But, but she's just like, I know it's uh, we've it's heard a it's Bond be movie. Good. Yeah. And, um, and so we watched it the other night and it is great. It's it is good. really good. And the style it's shot in, I know it's a new movie, but just the 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 filters on the shots mm-hmm. and the way it feels more like an old Bond film. Mm. It, it's just got the way the color schemes they shot in the the, the spectrums they used are really cool. Um, obviously, it's super high def with the way they shot it. The stunts, it's back to you know a car that has machine guns on it. Yeah, and yeah. they even have the old Aston Martin in it at one point as a real callback. Uh, it was really good. And obviously this is where they brought back Blowfield. Uh, mm-hmm. they have the, 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 the cat even makes the appearance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Batista is awesome in it. He doesn't say much, but he's just horribly nasty. He kicks <laughs> such ass. True. Um, 
Yeah, I got done. And if that's the end of, of Daniel Craig's Bond, what a way to go out. It I was agree. awesome. Really good movie. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Obviously, I'm a Star Wars kid and have gone through and seen them all and for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, I was in the camp of those who was not at all disappointed. I loved it. I saw it a couple times in the theater, once in 2D, the second time in 3D IMAX, and it was beautiful. Uh, and the last one, I didn't realize it was a new movie in 2015, but it was a, a documentary called I Am Big Bird yes. about Carol Spinney. Yep. And um, I'm, again, I've been a huge Muppet fan for years. I've been to a number of events over the years, um, panels about Sesame Street and about its, you know, a place in the cultural, the you know, the world of culture and education. And um, Carol Spinney is one of those people who is just such a genuinely good person. Uh, and his, you know, he and his wife are, Deb are just really wonderful people. And to see that brought out in such a way, it's a movie that celebrates him as Big Bird, mm-hmm. but to celebrate Carol Spinney, you inevitably have to celebrate his marriage with sure. his wife because they are inseparable. They're like love struck teenagers who have been married for 50 years, you know, That's basically. Wonderful. Been, um, so that was, it was fantastic. And I, I was telling Rob before, because one of the big pieces they talk about is when they film Big Bird, Big Bird Goes to China. And um, it was filmed guerrilla style. Like they had minimal people because it was really not, you couldn't send a huge, um, this, you know, you're talking Cold War China. Sure. You couldn't send all these people to shoot on the, you know, on the Great Wall. And so they got this really small group of people together, um, enough where a lot of the puppeteers were also camera people. Mm-hmm. And they shot this and they had this little girl who um, was the star of the movie with them. And um, they then lost touch with her for like 20 years. And they have a reunion with her on the film. Oh, my God. And it's so like and you just like just that when they reunite. You're just bawling your eyes out. And it's such so, but I actually went back and watched on, I found you can find big, an entire version of Big Bird Goes to China on YouTube. Hmm. So I, it's almost like you want to watch I Am Big Bird because it's awesome. If you, if you have a heart in your chest, you, it's a great documentary anyway. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you've been touched over the years by the Muppets and Sesame Street, totally worth watching. And then you're going to want to go back and actually watch that. Big Bird Goes to China special from like the early 80s mm-hmm. because it's so awesome. Just to now you know what they went through to put it on. Mm. And as much as like, yes, The Force Awakens was this huge moment and I was looking forward to it for years. Mm-hmm. I almost think now in retrospect that I Am Big Bird was my favorite movie of last year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was that good. It was just that emotional to watch and that huh. really touching. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. All right. I have my top 10 movies. Of 2015, uh, I do this every year. I watch a huge amount of stuff uh, to put this list together. I had maybe 120 movies that I was planning on watching. Uh, I got through 64. So that's about the average that I get to. I usually get in the 60 to 70 range every single year, uh, which is a pretty decent uh, smattering of <laughs> the stuff that's come out. Uh, and whittled it down to my favorite of the 10. Now, granted, I am not saying these are the 10 best movies of the year. I am saying these are my 10 favorite movies of the year. But, uh, yeah, this is, I like doing this, so yeah. let's do it. All right, number 10. 70-year-old widower Ben Whitaker has discovered that retirement isn't all it's cracked up to be. Seizing an opportunity to get back in the game, he becomes a senior intern at an online fashion site founded and run by Jules Austin. In the intern surprisingly good surprisingly good uh i went into this this was a screening that i went to so it wasn't a movie i paid for necessarily uh and i went into it not really expecting much i thought it would be your usual 
fair where uh, you have Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway and they're going to have some sort of weird love connection, even though their age range is (laughs) so different. But I ended up really enjoying it. They never go into the romantic aspect of things. So that could have easily ruined a big part of the movie. Uh, the comedy is really solid throughout. We've seen De Niro stretch his comedy chops over the last how many I think years he's now? Underrated as a comedian, because yeah, you think of hugely. how intense he is as, as as a dramatic actor. Yeah, when he goes comedy, he's really funny. And I think that lineage of drama that he had behind him enhances his comedy so much now mm-hmm. because that the the way people view him and then the resulting comedy that comes from that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, number nine. Armed with a super suit with the astonishing ability to shrink in scale but increase in strength, cat burglar Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Dr. Hank Pym, plan and pull off a heist that will save the world in Ant-Man. That totally – and it totally put Michael Pena on the – I mean, I'd see him in other stuff. Yeah. But he was an unexpected highlight of that movie. I love he Michael Pena. so good. He's so good in everything and his performance in this borders on the – stereotypically offensive yeah yeah and that was a, a big criticism for him. yeah yeah it he walks a fine line uh but it's ultimately entertaining and he, that's what matters he was in grace point um he is a very serious very dramatic role in grace point really with david tennant so um if you that's one of those things and you can binge watch because it's not a ton of episodes it's I like think 10 it might, or something yeah, yeah. If you, that's one of those if you're looking for something interesting it takes a little time to get off like to take off but mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, if you like Michael Payne, and I know you like David Tennant. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, it's a complete take because that's where I'm seeing Michael Payne. I'm saying, why do I know this guy? And he was like really funny. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, it was from that. But he was so serious and in such a dramatic role. It was yeah. completely night and day. And Ant-Man, like we were saying, was kind of a breath of fresh air. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. It was something slightly different than the Marvel formula. Edgar Wright's influences are still present, even if he wasn't by mm-hmm. the end of it. Um, so it was nice to see uh, a movie take a different take. Uh, it was a heist movie that happened to have superheroes in yeah. it, which is always nice. Number eight, the story of Jack, a spirited five-year-old who was looked after by his loving and devoted mother. Their life, however, is anything but typical as they are confined to a windowless 10 by 10 foot space that Ma has named Room. I just saw this. It's on my upcoming list. I'm going to see it at some point this week. Oh, my God. Is it good? It's really good. I mean, it's your top 10 list. Yeah, yeah. I know Howard Stern has raved about it as well. Brie Larson's performance is awesome. And even though when Stern was raving about it, didn't really, I don't know if he mentioned, the kid that plays Jack unbelievable for someone his age it's definitely i'm like i'm gonna i'm surprised i didn't see it the other night like literally it was in my lineup of things i was gonna watch yeah by the end of this week i will have seen it i can't wait it really looks interesting the second half of the movie is not what i expected really but not unwelcome nice it is it's more than you think it is good i like when things aren't just blatantly predictable yeah yeah very enjoyable not saying it has like any weird sci-fi because it doesn't it's just it goes in uh, other places that i didn't think the movie would go it could have ended at a certain point after like an hour Mm -hmm. but it kept going and i'm glad it did good good. so really really yeah i'm looking forward to that number seven In 1947, Dalton Trumbo was Hollywood's top screenwriter until he and other artists were jailed and blacklisted for their political beliefs in Trumbo. This was, uh, I believe Brian Cranston is nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Trumbo, and he might deserve it. 
because he was outstanding in this movie. He's over 60 now, I believe. Mm -hmm. But at certain points in this movie plays like a much more feeble elderly man and does it with surprising accuracy, not only in just his delivery of lines, his mannerisms, uh, the makeup's fantastic to even just make him look a little bit older than he needs to be. Very interesting. When something is based on a true story, too, and there are ties to real life, like Trumbo won two Academy Awards for movies that he was not credited for because it was under a ghostwriter's name. Right. So it's it's amazing to see kind of that story unfold. Now, granted, it's probably not 100% true because it's based on and we know how they can skew yeah. facts and change them and kind of sometimes merge things together. We've seen things based on true story where they take multiple characters and make them into one. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, it could have gone any of those certain ways. But I love when a movie based on a true story in the credits, they kind of show the footage yeah. of the actual scenes that they were recreating in the movie. Mm-hmm. That is always endlessly fascinating to me. And uh, it was it was wonderful to see the story itself is wonderful and Cranston is yeah he's the man I love Brian Cranston yeah I mean I always a huge fan from Malcolm in the Middle he was ridiculous as the father yeah and like you rooted for him he was like that poor sad sack father yeah I was and then for him to go from that to uh to Breaking Bad yeah I mean wow what a I mean that's that if you only did Breaking Bad if that's the only thing he did it's a body of work that you could be proud of totally but and now he's doing great stuff with movies continues to knock it out of the park Number six, a young programmer is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a breathtaking humanoid AI in Ex Machina. Did you see it? I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list. I'm seeing it soon. So good. Howard can't stop talking about how hot. (laughs) Oh, Alicia Vikander. (laughs) Yes. yes. He's just like, she's so hot. There is a full frontal nude scene with Alicia Vikander. And And he said, oh, she's been naked in every movie that she's in. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, But everything. This is this is a movie of pretty much three people. Yeah. Ultimately, it's it's Donald Gleason as the lead who was uh, Hux. And Star Wars The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. you get another guy from Star Wars The Force Awakens because Oscar Isaacs, the guy who played Poe Dameron, He's in there, right? is like there. the eccentric billionaire who created the robot. And then you get Alicia Vikander as the robot. And there's like one other character uh, that's in the house, like a housekeeper type thing. She's not a huge role in the movie, but the other three, it's a movie about these like three people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a classic sci fi tale done in a modern style so most sci-fi movies now are so action and whatever this one is more an exploration of the human condition which good sci-fi does real well definitely so uh ex machina number six number five adam jones is a chef who destroyed his career with drugs and diva behavior he cleans up and returns to london determined to redeem himself by spearheading a top restaurant that can gain him three michelin stars burnt just recently geeked out about it on the podcast um love bradley cooper really into all these chef movies yeah uh this was i actually just rewatched chef recently too the other day with john favreau i love that it's such that a great so movie awesome. yeah but this is while chef focused on kind of the father-son relationship through the medium of uh that chef experience and food uh, Burnt does the same thing, but like I mentioned before, focuses on uh, sacrificing for greatness 
and keeping track of the things in life that are important to you. So it's almost the same kind of idea, uh, slightly different characters. I think Bradley Cooper's character is a little more screwed up than John Favreau's was. Right. He just had his priorities out of sort, whereas Bradley Cooper has like some pretty significant things in his past that he needs to deal with. But, uh, just as powerful a movie, Chef was better, I would say, out of the two. But Burnt is, if you like Chef, you will like Burnt. You know, it's an old, it's kind of a documentary, but if you like those sort of food centered stories, mm-hmm. uh, Jiro Deems, Dreams of Sushi. Yeah. That was, I don't know if you've seen that one. I have not. Um, it's, it's about this little old man who basically <laughs> that's his life, sushi, and he's a grandmaster of making sushi. But they really, it's a really interesting tale about how he's, gotten into this and now he has this crazy little restaurant that sets like five people and mm-hmm. you pay ridiculous amounts of money not to order your sushi but for him to decide what he's going to make that night and serve it to you interesting really and people like wait for for months to get on the list wow year. so i mean if you like chef and it certainly sounds like you know it's a documentary so it is actually true mm-hmm. um it's it's pretty cool it sort of falls in that same sort of genre of movie i'll add it to yeah. my list <laughs> number four Three decades after the defeat of the Galactic Empire, a new threat arises. The First Order attempts to rule the galaxy, and only a ragtag group of heroes can stop them, along with the help of the Resistance. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Chewie, we're home. I imagine most people are surprised that this is at number four and not at, like, my number one for the year. Uh, I do love The Force Awakens. It's number four on my list. But there were other releases that came out this year that I enjoyed more. Yeah, that was definitely. I mean, Star Wars, it was, I think that as a standalone film was terrific. Mm-hmm. As a nostalgia, as returning to the franchise, terrific. Oh, yeah. But when you really look at it big picture and removed from the the moment, like mm-hmm. the, for the weekend, when I saw it a couple times in the first week, I was just in the moment. As was I wrapped and up in the yeah, tornado. Yeah. And now that I've given it some time to breathe, mm-hmm. I still love it. I, I, I'm not worrying about, I'm not going to get picky about what I, what I think was maybe, or people have said re regurgitated from the first storyline. Sure. And, and sure. New Hope. But, um, cinematically it was great, but there were other movies that I thought maybe did it better mm-hmm. or just had better movies. Yeah. Yeah. But Star Wars: The Force Awakens, oh, what and a, you know what? Another what a one, trip! I didn't even bring it up, and I, it's not in my top three movies. But you guys didn't like, and I did was Mad Max: Fury Road. Yeah, that was one that I saw, and I thought cinematically, that's another thing. Just this big cinematic picture, which I sort of equate with The Force Awakens. Cinematically, I give it props for what it accomplished. But I know, I know why. I understand what your yeah you know, the white knuckle feeling. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a good experience right. for me. I can say it's a good movie, but it wasn't a good experience right, right. for and again, me. And it made total sense. You, you <laughs> yeah. completely had a great argument on that. Yeah. Uh, number three. After young Riley is uprooted from her Midwest life and moved to San Francisco, her emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness conflict on how best to navigate a new city, house, and school in Pixar's Inside Out. What an emotional movie this is. Yep. And that's to say that with multiple meanings. Yeah, definitely. Uh, emotional for us for the plot and, and for, emotional yeah. for the plot. Yeah. yeah. This movie was unexpectedly good. Yeah. I, I think the whole – their whole sort of um, allusion of, of how a child changes and the internal just raging emotions mm-hmm. that go through adolescence into heading into puberty and into adolescence and just that make up who you are. Yeah. Just the way they characterize that. And like with the little islands that it was really a creative look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd seen something I, when I first saw the trailer, I said, Oh, they've made a kid's version. Of, and it, Pixar is not a kid's movie, but it, you know, they made a kid's version of Herman's head. Yeah. 
way better, way more creative, way – I really feel more accurate as to kind of what those emotions are like when they rage inside you. Yes, they characterize them and, you know, made anamorphic kind of versions sure, of your emotions. Sure. But, you know, when you think about just how kids are and how they shift and how, you know, you can have a kid go from happy-go-lucky to tantruming to sullen in like – in 20 minutes. Yeah. It was – wow, that's – really a pretty accurate depiction of what their understanding on. of child psychology was unparalleled. Like they would have had to bring in actual psychologists mm. to really understand the nuances of the emotions at play. And I think it hits everyone at a core level because they're tapping into universal experience right? in the sense that, yeah, we were all kids. So we all knew that time of, well, not every single kid, unfortunately gets the, the experiences of, unbridled joy as right. a as a child but uh, a lot of us that are lucky enough to be able to see movies like this do know that so tapping into that as well as i think i said originally when we talked about the movie was it felt like whereas most pixar movies are a kids movie where they bring in adult things to keep us invested this felt like a movie made for our age where they worked in some kid jokes to keep them invested. Right, because your niece and nephew, you took them to see it, right? Right, and, and their takeaway was sadness falls on her face a lot. Right, they got the slapstick, yeah. like that. But yeah. there was, it was watching, it was really deep. Yeah, That was the thing, it was very deep. Yeah, and if if Bing Bong doesn't get you, right. you're not a human being. Right, right. <laughs> you're not a human. Number two, the former world heavyweight champion Rocky Balboa serves as a trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson, the son of his late friend and former rival, Apollo Creed. Yes. Creed was the example that all franchises should look at instead of rebooting, mm -hmm. instead of uh, doing prequels. You should look at Creed and say, this is how you take a beloved property. You create something new and exciting and you give it away to move forward. Now, granted, they could stop right here. They could mm -hmm. have. But they won't because it was popular enough to keep moving Too forward. Baby, yeah. Right. And, and that's fine because this movie was created as a bridge. Mm -hmm. And yet as a bridge wasn't treated as solely a bridge. And I think that's where it becomes as good a movie as it is because standing alone, it's a wonderful movie yeah. by itself. You didn't need to really be familiar with this. They gave you enough of who Rocky Balboa was if you've lived in a closet and didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. uh, what I did like is uh, I, I personally, I liked Rocky Balboa. Yeah. That movie. I did know, too, actually. And, and if they had only done that you yep. know, and didn't go to this, that would have been fine. But I liked how even though the, that was included, that's still part of the story. So, you know, Rocky is now a restaurateur and he's running Adrian's. Yes. And, and I liked how that was still, as soon as I saw that, I said, oh, that's great. They're keeping that around. Yep. And um, I liked the choice with how, you know, the, the Adonis wasn't, uh, he wasn't uh, Felicia Rashad's kid. Right. You know, she he was sort of that dirty secret that, you know, Apollo had another kid from a different woman. Yeah. But troubled kid basically, you know, orphaned, and Felicia Rashad, um, as the wife, brings him in uh, into her family and takes him up because her deceased husband did have a son and mm -hmm. it is a piece of her husband. And I think – I thought that they really did well with how they developed – how Michael – well, Michael B. Jordan was awesome. Oh, um, unbelievable. He um, really did – and at times he had that that – you know, that little bit of Carweathers in him with his, just the way he reacted. You could see a little bit of that Apollo Creed character you remember. Yeah. And 
Yeah, everybody's saying that um, Stallone could be up for. Uh, well, he's, I know he's nominated. Sure. That he he if he won, I would. If he, I'd love to see Brian Cranston win it. But at the same time, who wouldn't want? Although to see Stallone's up for uh, supporting, supporting. Cranston's oh, up for lead. lead. Okay. Yep. All right. So great, they both can win. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um, yeah, he absolutely. It, it would be a feel good story for him to come back and win that totally award, especially for the role that brought him to prominence. Originally. And Hollywood loves those stories, so absolutely. I think he wins. Yeah. Not only based on performance, but on longevity. Of, longevity. You know, yeah. Totally. But yeah, great, great movie. I, I wouldn't say it was my favorite movie of the year, mm-hmm. but that's not taking away anything from it. It was yeah. definitely, I think, I think it would have been. Uh, we had talked before that there was a lot of hype on it, mm-hmm. and I think the hype hurt it for me. I had a lot of people just say, "Forget the Force Awakening. This is the greatest movie of the year," and and I really enjoyed it. But for me, as much as I loved the Rocky franchise and I loved them over the years, mm-hmm. for me, the the feel goods of Star Wars. There was that was way more of my youth. I sure. had I was allowed to see that sort of sci-fi violence. It wasn't until I was in like fifteen, sixteen that my my mom was not crazy about like more realistic violence. That was always sort of you okay. Know, so a boxing movie was like, and especially glorified boxing where they are punching each other in the face even more. And there, so I wasn't until I was like fourteen, fifteen that I saw all those Rocky movies and really, and I love them. But for me, when you want that nostalgia piece of it, yeah. Star Wars. A lot of people had a different nostalgia level with Creed than I did, than I did. For me, and this might be surprising, is I have almost zero nostalgia level with Rocky. Okay. Uh, I saw the first Rocky movie within the last seven or eight years mm-hmm. uh, and saw Rocky Balboa. I've not seen the others. And see, that's the thing. Rocky 3 is actually really good. And, yeah. And Rocky 4, I mean, that's with Dolph Lundgren. The first, they're good movies. Yeah. And they, they're, you know, they, they get you pumped up to watch them. And, but just, I, I definitely liked that they had the emotions. There was definitely some times where you get that, oh, now's where you're going to go into the, okay. Right, right. Okay. Or just, you know, Stallone sitting at the, um, at the grave of Paulie and, and Adrian and reading the newspaper yep. and talking to them. Yep. There was a lot of that stuff that was, you know, there was the feels, but it, um, Again, not a bad movie at all. Yeah, it's a yeah. great movie. Just wasn't my favorite of the year. Sure, sure. Yeah. Hey, wasn't my favorite yeah. either because yeah, obviously <laughs> something else was. Number one. During a manned mission to Mars, astronaut Mark Watney is presumed dead after a fierce storm and left behind by his crew. But Watney has survived and finds himself stranded and alone on the hostile planet. With only meager supplies, he must draw upon his ingenuity, wit, and spirit to subsist and find a way to signal to Earth that he is alive. In Ridley Scott's The Martian. Mm -hmm. Loved this movie. So much done well for a movie of its length paced incredibly well. I was never bored during the movie whatsoever and really unique in a movie of this scale mm-hmm. to where the enemy is not a person that you can punch in the face. Right. It's a series of problems that require your wits uh, and ingenuity to solve. And I love that. My favorite characters and everything are the smart ones. I love Donatello. I love Batman. (laughs) Like, I like the smart guys. And this is the Martian is the smart guy winning, kind of reaching against all odds and accomplishing tasks that uh, should not be able to be accomplished. And maybe can't (laughs) if you were to go into real, real science, which I'm told the book does go Mm -hmm. into a lot of to almost uh, an exhausting degree, yeah. some of the science behind this stuff. And I'm glad that they left all of that out of the movie, but gave enough 
to really justify all the things that we did see. Matt Damon is unbelievable in this movie because it really does rest on his shoulders. Yeah. Given the fantastic cast that's in it, and there's a lot of wonderful actors in this movie, it really is a showcase for Matt Damon, and he steps up to the plate big time here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's uh, I've heard... No one I've talked to has had a negative thing to say about yeah. it or had a bad experience where they said they didn't at least enjoy it. I, and everybody, most the most people have raved about it, put it in their top, at least top five of the year who have seen it. Sure. So, Well, I hope my hype does not, yeah, I know. <laughs> does not ruin oh, it for you man. in any way. There you go, Rob. You ruined it already. <laughs> That's your number one movie. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I know. I'm a terrible person. Uh, so there's my number 10, uh, top 10 of the year. Uh, if you haven't seen any of those movies, I highly recommend that you go check them out. Before we sign off for this episode, just a couple quick things in regards to the Geek Generation last year, where there was a lot of things that we accomplished. Uh, some things didn't necessarily go as planned, but uh, we started the second podcast with Random Movie Club. And although we intended it to uh, continue going... I don't know what the status of it is right now. We have about 13 or 14 episodes out there. We need to finish off and do Return of the Jedi still to finish off our Star Wars stuff that didn't go as planned. Uh, I have another one in the can beyond that. And going further, it's a time commitment. If you guys want more Random Movie Club, I need to be able to afford to do it. And that means just because stuff is free doesn't mean it doesn't cost us on this end. So if I'm going to keep uh, doing Random Movie Club, that means that... Uh, we need, I need time to make those things happen, which means I need to be able to make money in things other than my day job, which means the geekgeneration.com slash support. You can help us out on Patreon. You can use the Amazon links, all the things that help us out. You can watch and donate on the Twitch channel. Uh, however you can help out. We generally, uh, greatly appreciate it. Also cons and interviews from last year. I went to San Diego comic-con for the second year. I went to New York comic-con for, I think the fifth or sixth year. PAX East last year, Boston Comic-Con, Rhode Island Comic-Con, and then my first time at ITV Fest, which was way better than I expected it to be, and I will be going back in a bigger capacity this year. Uh, we did some fantastic interviews with people like Rebecca Romaine, John Larroquette, Terry Brooks, Poppy Drayton, Troy Baker, Phil Lamar, Al Goff, Miles Miller, Laura Vandervoort, Bruce Tim, Andrea Romano, Paget Brewster, John DiMaggio, Roger Craig Smith, Will Friedle, and the Impractical Jokers. And that wasn't even everybody. Right. So we had a pretty epic year last year as far as our con going went. Yeah, I, I actually went to my first Comic Con last year. I, although this I had is true. I previously, as I alluded in a previous episode, um, I went to the one and only X Files Con yes. uh, that they did, which was really cool, actually. But this was my first proper Comic Con, if you want to. And this year it was a uh, Providence Comic Con with Round Comic Con was bigger mm -hmm. and multiple uh, multiple rooms, and I got to check out some panels, and meet some cool people, and. Uh, Spent way too much money. <laughs> <laughs> that generally happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was really it was a good experience, and uh, for me to have a positive experience off of that, I know people previously had not um, at other ones. It just it opens my interest. It piques my interest to go to other cons in sure, different areas, sure. and to, you know to check out other places. And now, once you know, if I had fun there, when I'm hearing from people that oh, if you've been there, you like that, you got to see New York, or you got to see San Francisco. It definitely opens that door of interest for me. Sure, you know to check them out. We even made some. Magic last year at oh, uh, Rhode yes. Island Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. I, I just held the camera. You did all the work, <laughs> and it was awesome. 
That was a lot of fun. If people have not seen that, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com slash YouTube. That'll bring you right to our YouTube channel. Uh, there was a video that Matt filmed and uh, that I took part in where I asked uh, Will Friedle and Kevin Conroy to reenact a scene from The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, it was so great. As Vader and Luke, but doing it as Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis. And they, they, and, and as soon as they got where you wanted, when, once, you know, they knew what the, the bit was. Yeah. They, I mean, some of them would have either not done it and they went balls to the wall with yeah. They did it and they got into it. And you could tell that they, they were like, Oh, this kid's got a good idea. Like they totally went for it. it was they awesome. were having fun, yeah. which is ultimately what I wanted. Yeah. So. Really enjoyed that. No, um, I love that. That was great. Looking forward to the upcoming con season. It's right around the corner. We're going to be going to cons real soon again. Uh, so I hope to see all of you out there. Make sure to stop me and say hi if you do. As we wrap up this week and the end of our 2015 wrap up, any final thoughts or something you'd like to plug? Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter at Mad Dog Matt Storm. Feel free to send me stuff there. I make rude comments now and again and comment on the world as I see it. Sometimes I'll put some interesting pictures up. I just started a new um, Instagram following that name, so there's not much on there. My personal Instagram's boring. You don't want to follow that. <laughs> um, only people who know me would be interested on that. But uh, 2015, as awesome as it was, 2016 is looking pretty good. There's some really – I mean, we're going to see Batman versus Superman. We are. We're going to see Suicide Squad. We are. We're going to see Spider-Man on the same screen as Captain America and Iron Man. We are. I mean, it's like – it's just awesome. It just keeps <laughs> and another Star Wars film at the end of the year. Ro- That's right. You know, Rogue Squad. Every year Rogue. the ante oh, just keeps getting increased. Yeah, the so. geeks are taking over more and more. Yes. With every consecutive Luke year. Luke Cage. <laughs> so much. Daredevil two. So much. <laughs> to see everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can follow us at thegeekgeneration.com slash Facebook and at Geek Generation on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. You can watch our live podcasts and gaming at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back real soon with more geekiness for you. And we will see you then. Later. Make it so.